I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of the number one podcast celebrating hip-hop culture as a way to uplift all of humanity, we hear from Elizabeth Norris, Ed Campos, and Josh Levine, a.k.a. Optics, who are using hip-hop to uplift the lives of students at J.C. Montgomery, a school located inside Kings County Juvenile Detention Center in Hanford, California. My name is Manny Faces. This is Hip Hop Can Save America. Let's go. The thing about hip hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, friends, neighbors, supporters, and haters. Welcome back to Hip Hop Can Save America, the premier podcast celebrating the ability of hip hop music and culture to improve society. I'm the creator and your host, Manny Faces. Now, last year, a program was brought to my attention called Stories with Style, a student-centric project which gives young people the opportunity to share their stories through rap, beat making, and art, all while working with professional artists in a full-blown on-site recording studio. This program would be interesting in any setting, but given my other work in the social justice field, it really caught my attention because the school, J.C. Montgomery, was a part of the Kings County Juvenile Center in Hanford, California. Now, full disclosure, on one of the other podcasts I produce, Newsbeat, we've reported on the movement to close juvenile detention centers across the country. And of that movement, I am a big fan. But that being said, while they exist, I can think of no better way to help those within cope express themselves, and learn the valuable life skills in the ways that only hip-hop music and culture can deliver than through the efforts of J.C. Montgomery principal Elizabeth Holcroft Norris, longtime educator Ed Campos, and accomplished music artist, producer, filmmaker, and director Josh Levine, a.k.a. Optics. After speaking with them and viewing this project's powerful video production called It's Not Too Late, I felt confident that these students in this institution were being given a vital opportunity that would allow the world to appreciate their powerful voices, important messaging, brilliant perspectives, personal stories, and their style. Now, before our fascinating discussion, I want you to know that Hip Hop Can Save America is gearing up on a whole new season with more interviews from some of the nation's most innovative and inspiring artists, 
thought leaders, professionals, and community members, all on a mission to show the world how effective hip-hop music and culture is in helping to uplift humanity. As you can imagine, this isn't exactly the kind of focus that corporate America likes to place on hip-hop. So we don't rely on sponsors from that world. We rely on support from listeners like you to stay fully independent and keep this thing going and growing. This coming season, we're adding new editors to the mix so we can get episodes out quicker. We'll have video versions available to watch on outlets like YouTube, plus bonus content and some special perks for all those who help support this work. I also have a free Substack newsletter that contains similar stories, information, editorials, upcoming events of interest, and more that focus on the exciting intersections of hip-hop with education, science and technology, health and wellness, politics and activism, the fine arts, and so much more. It also gives updates as to my own public speaking appearances, so that hopefully we can meet up and celebrate hip-hop greatness in real life. So, to support the show and the newsletter, visit patreon.com slash mannyfaces. To subscribe to the free newsletter, visit mannyfaces.substack.com. To listen to my conversation with the good folks at J.C. Montgomery, do nothing, because here it is. Thank you all for joining me on Hip Hop Save America. It's uh, and, and for rearranging schedules to make it work. These times require flexibility. And I thank you for finding the time to be with me, especially because there's a gaggle of us. Please, if you would, introduce yourselves individually very quickly, how you uh, present yourself to the world as it is relevant to why we're speaking today. I'm Liz Norris. And I'm the principal at J.C. Montgomery, which is part of Kings County Office of Education, located in the Kings County Juvenile Detention Center. And uh, my name is Ed Campos. I'm a consultant with Kings County Office of Education, where a majority of my work and the days that I have with the county are working there at J.C. Montgomery with the Stories with Style program and other STEAM initiatives. And my name is Josh Optics Levine, and I'm a producer, director, and artist, and also a consultant over at Kings County. And I live to create, create to live. Love it. Let's start at the end. Uh, why we're here today, what obviously caught my attention, the current project uh, or sort of piece of the project, piece of the bigger project that you, that you have out right now. The Stories with Style project and the video that was released. Can you tell folks why we're here, what this project and this, uh, this creation that's circulating right now, what is it, what is it about, and how did it come to be? Ed and I, we started Stories with Style during the pandemic. We were just kind of daydreaming. What could we do that would really engage kids? Um, we attended a conference from Dr. Sheldon Eakins on hip-hop education. Both of us had used hip-hop-based education in our own classrooms when we were teaching. And we really weren't sure it was going to go anywhere. But then I was hired on at J.C. Montgomery as principal. And the state gave us funding to use for social emotional learning support. And for the students we serve for system impacted youth, really no boxed curriculum is ever going to be able to meet their needs. So we wanted to be able to engage with them and the culture that they value and bring together a project. And I'll kind of let Ed talk a little bit about how we developed that. Yeah. So we, I think we, it's the second iteration that we just finished, which is so cool because I feel like it's improved exponentially, like on the, on the daily, you know, especially while we were in it, it initially started as a uh, storytelling through digital media program. And then, um, you know, with, with beat making, through through the elements of hip hop culture, and and that's remained true through uh, beat making, 
through uh, writing, through writing raps, through rapping, and through some visual arts. It really progressed and really, I mean, it's a true hip hop collaboration. I think like the, the time that we do get together to spend together to bounce ideas off each other, it's rare, but it's super impactful. I think like if we have 10 minutes, me and Liz uh, or me and Josh or all three of us, if that ever happens, like it's just, it improves so much. So this last iteration that we had with the first iteration, it, it became a collaboration. Uh, we, we wanted our students to create a collaboration where they, they were going to create a rap and collaborate all of the kids who chose to create a rap because some were just into the art piece would create, collaborate on a rap around a theme of like why we need more hip hop and education. So that was the first iteration. And we, we let them know that their audience was going to be, we were going to take this on the road and share their art with teachers at conferences that we present at or podcasts or, or something like that and write about this in journals that Liz has gotten us into. But the second round with obviously learning from, the, you know, learning from the previous iteration, we, we kind of used a little design thinking in it and had the students, instead of giving them the topic, we had them discuss some issues in their communities. So we had a really good, you know, building empathy or building on their own experience with these issues in their community when it comes to like racism, drug addiction, gang violence, racial profiling, police brutality. Each collaboration, we had a couple of kids. It had to be a collaboration. It didn't, it didn't have to be all of the kids at once. So we had a couple little pods of kids, two or three, that had one made the beat, maybe one rapped, maybe one rapped, it didn't perform. You know, one wrote the rap, but didn't perform it. So there were some really cool dynamics going on there where kids just kind of sat in their groove with what they were comfortable with. But we had a couple kids from the piece that you're talking about that you heard who, with Josh's coaching, really latched onto this idea of uh, we, they wanted to address police brutality and racial profiling in their communities. Uh, just It was just magic started happening. It was obviously, you know, their creation of the idea. Josh worked with them to create their version of the beat. This is what I wanted to sound like. And him being like just a producer, a great producer and coach and teacher really kind of pushed these kids to get into a creative a creative space that, that we hadn't seen before, I think. And it's, it's a pretty beautiful piece of art, I think, that is the end result. Yeah, so what's up? Josh, give me your, your input on this. Uh, you know, how did you get involved with this program and, uh, and this particular project? Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. So Ed and I have known each other for a while. I was in a hip-hop group uh, a few years ago, and we did some shows, and he knew one of my buddies. And when he asked me to be involved in the program, I, I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. I didn't even know what I was saying yes to. but I was like, I trust Ed and Ed wouldn't bring me into anything, you know, that I shouldn't be. And so I follow the vibe and I rode the wave. And that's what it's kind of all about is like personally is I just I follow the music and, and the art and the creativeness. And it never really guides me in the wrong direction when I'm following, you know, you know my heart and you know the creativeness that, that I can then unleash in other people and other potential. So he told me that we would be going to the, you know, to the juvenile centers, the incarcerated teens, and I was like, okay, I didn't know what to expect, right? I was thinking worst of the worst type of kids. And at first you go in there and you kind of maybe there's a little bit of intimidation on both parts. So like, who is this person? And, and I'm just trying to like, hey, how you doing? But as, as the relationships grew and I saw these kids were really talented, and basically, I fed off of the kids and the kids fed off of our energy. And 
you know, we were teaching them things that Ed and I grew up on, like, you know, Cool Her, Grandmaster, how, how, how did hip hop form? And at first they were kind of like, why do we need to understand these things? And, you know, but those are the, those are the foundations and hip hop is more than just music. And that's what we wanted to let them know all the different elements of hip hop. I was born and raised deep into the hip hop game. I went into the backpack hip hop stage and, and all that. And these kids know nothing about it. So we got to try to just spoon feed them a little bit, but then also, you know, give them a little bit of what they're used to as well. I mean, we, we even brought in another artist who got a shout out and a drop from Mozzie, who is an artist that they know. And so they, they got a video from Aesop who was brought in by Liz and they got to see Mozzie say Kings County. And so that was a big thing for them, right? And so all this stuff was revving up and all these little things were like building and building. And then when Ed gave out the challenge for the video, I had already seen a vision in my head of the whole video completed. I was just like, okay, which kids are going to be in the rap now? I'm like, okay, blah. And so as as they start working, Ed sends the two two kids about the song that you you've heard, sends them over to me. And I don't know what to create at that point. I'm just playing sounds. And I'm letting them pick the sounds, okay? So I'm playing the sounds, piano noises. When they heard they heard this vocal that I had sampled, that it was like, it's not too late, it's not too late for us. And right when they heard that, they both were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. So I, I just kind of built on their, on their emotions and what they heard. And then I found the right pianos. And, you know, because as a producer, I'm just trying to listen and also trying to nurture and bring out the best in, in the artist. If I were to just say make a song, they would make a song and it would kind of be okay. But I've I've been lucky enough to been in be in rooms with some of the biggest producers and this that and the other, and I've seen things. So why not help them create a good song, right? Yeah. So, so the, di- the difference between a, a beat maker and a producer in the hip hop vernacular. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, all I was doing was listening and creating sounds that vibed with them, and they were already writing verses and. They were going to probably go around this route of police brutality, but I wanted to ramp it up a little bit more and say, okay, let's make it a story now. Let's tell a story. Maybe you tell a perspective, this, that. And as soon as I said that, he goes, that's it. And I didn't have to say anything else. (laughs) Right. It was amazing. You wrote these, these lyrics and you know, the rest is kind of history from there. We can kind of dig deeper into the things because I was working with about six, seven other groups of kids each trying to tack into that that zone with all these other kids. So my time was very limited, you know, with, with these kids. So we just had to make it happen fast. And, you know, overall we were, we were definitely proud of what they did for sure. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, and I want to talk about sort of the macro level view of the school itself and then, you know, drill down to like what an everyday kind of activity, how much time you do get to involve in these activities, how that even came to be for someone who's not familiar with the inner workings of juvenile detention centers uh, or however they're phrased uh, in your neck of the woods, explain sort of the facility, if you could, and how there's a school inside it and how that whole thing works. That doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah. So in California, one of the requirements for a county office is that we do run schools inside of juvenile facilities. And this particular, our county is very, very small. And so within our facility, there are only three units. Other facilities are gigantic, but we're very small. And so two of the units have a little bit more personal freedom, and they actually walk over to classrooms that are within the facility. The third unit 
we hold the classes in the kids' rec area. They stay in their unit all day. And so there's just a different vibe depending on which unit you're in and depending on which students are together at any given time. And so as we did this work, one of the most important pieces was the partnership with the probation department. And we're just incredibly lucky because Deputy Director Dan Luttrell is a huge supporter of anything like this that will benefit kids, that will help them to be able to regulate and feel better and process some of the things they've been through because a lot of their stories are just incredibly tragic. And so when we brought in this team, when I started there, I think everybody just thought we, I I know they do because the teachers have told me, they were like, who is this person and what is she doing? Because as soon as we got funding, the first thing I did was get rid of all the novels we'd been teaching, which centered on white teenagers. And I bought novel sets of things that our students had experienced, novels like The Hate You Give. We started bringing in people from our local tribe, from the Yokotachi tribe, and they would come in and work with the kids. And they would talk to them about growing up in that culture and the, the idea of generational trauma. And so we just started doing things just completely differently than any traditional type of school. And it became a team effort. Um, Once the staff at JCM started to see how the kids responded to it, they all bought in also. So the second iteration, my two teachers that work there, one was helping to support the arts section of the project, which we had the Urbanist Collective artists come out and work with the kids. We had one teacher that was really taking on that art aspect. Another one of our teachers, he he worked with Ed and another consultant, and they developed a unit around the history of hip hop. And so we had an ethnic studies unit that was around the history of hip hop, its impact in the past, its impact today. And so we basically transformed the school into this interdisciplinary opportunity for kids to go really deeply into hip hop culture and to think about the impact that it has and the impact it can have. We introduced artists, one that particularly resonated with them was Common. So we introduced artists that talk a lot about social justice issues. And that's what really led them to be able to participate in the challenge we laid forward for them. What does this program look like in practice? Sort of, uh, in a day, I know you mentioned before that there's not always a lot of time. How does it, in, you know, interact with um, uh, regular studies? You know, how much time per day? How many people involved? How many kids? So we took over the whole school for about a month and a half. And every part of their school day was around this project in some aspect, whether they were doing the art, the history, the recording. And we brought in... In addition to Ed and Josh, we brought in my friend Aesop, who's part of the group, The Living Legends. So he came down and he worked with the kids. We had Eric Gonzalez from Urbanist Collective zoom in with the kids. He's an incredible street artist that runs a nonprofit. And one of his local partners came in, Joanna, came in and worked directly with the kids. So we brought in as many people as we possibly could to bring some authenticity to the work we were doing and to let the students know that all these people care that we're pulling for them, that we know they have stories, that they deserve to have their stories told. And it just became a a huge team effort, kind of the epitome of project-based learning. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and again, how maybe you answered this before about how many kids are involved are, are you know, there and also why are they there and how long are they staying there? That varies greatly. We get students every single day and some students will stay for less than a day. And some students have been there, you know, over a year at this point. We have typically between 20 and 30 students at any given time. And the students are there for a variety of reasons. Some of them are waiting for placement into the foster care system because they may have run away from a group home. Some have committed crimes where they're waiting to find out if they'll be tried as an adult or stay in juvenile court. So it's a very, very wide range of reasons that the students are there. Some have Understood. just violated probation. Understood. And I guess that makes it uh, the ones that are involved in the projects that you're talking about. If they leave, there's some in and out that has to be juggled as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we we communicate with them once they leave. So for example, our students involved in the sticker project, if they created a piece, the stickers just came in last week. We mail those stickers to them. If they don't have a mailing address, we'll go bring them to them or we'll send them with their probation officer. If they created a piece and they want that piece to be publicly posted, we have a site YouTube channel so they can go and they can get their projects and they can take them. Or if they had things they wrote that are personal that they don't want shared out, they know that they can email me once they leave or call and I'll send them their projects. I'll download the audio files and send them to them. And then Josh and Aesop are just, I mean, they're just incredible people. They've told all of the students, you can reach out to us anytime you want once you're on the outs and we'll help you. We'll support you. We'll we'll make sure that you have what you need if this is something you're wanting to do, if you're wanting to go into a career in this field. I, you could all, probably all speak to this specifically. We, we hear that, you know, how you put it all together. What have you seen? What kind of stood out from maybe a particular individual, you know, young person uh, or even collectively that let you know, wow, this this is doing something. This is either improving their outlook, their self-esteem, their ability to thrive once they are out, for example, back. Give me some anecdotes or something that just lets you each know, man, this is worth it. This is worth our time and effort. I mean, for me, it, it happened almost every every class. There was at least one or two people. I mean, even just seeing the smiles of them, forget about where they are at that moment. And that's the goal of music, right? Is to just be able to, trans, you know, just go somewhere else and get away from what's going on. And that's what music did for them. And then they were, be, they were able to make beats, learn how to make beats. They were able to unlock a creativity that I would just see a spark in their eye when, they, when I would get to class and they go, Josh, I got to show you this. I want to show you what I wrote, what I've been working on. And that would happen almost every class with at least one of them. And so to me, I was like, and talking to them and they'll, they'll give you some more reasons. Like I saw they never disrespected Ed and Ed, I, or Liz. Every time we were there, I felt like they gave us the most utmost respect. And that's one of the biggest things in hip hop in general is just respecting the other person. And I hope that that happened, not just in the class while this program was going on. I'm sure Liz or Ed knows some more, but yeah. Yeah, I'd like to add on top of that. There's definitely like pockets of joy that you see. Like you can see joy. I, I've seen these kids actually be able to be kids. And that's like the most beautiful thing, because I think they haven't been kids for a lot of their life, their young lives, which is unfortunate because of the circumstances in their lives. And we've seen them start to tell stories, I think, because of the comfortability 
you're like, oh my God, you know, like that's it's it's pretty emotional because you'll hear a kid talking about a trip to the batting cages or something like that. And it's like, yeah, man, like, you know, when life is simpler, you know, and it can be simple. It's the environment, the people we surround ourselves with. For me, it's the social emotional, you know, we we got the funding for social emotional learning to run this and that, that benefit that you see every day to allow these kids to release emotion, even if it's just to themselves with writing in their journal or writing that or zoning out on a beat on, on soundtrap and just like seeing their, their, the head nodding and the, hey, and then I, I come around and I plug my Bluetooth speaker in there so they could hear the beat that they made with some bass on it. And then they're like, Oh man, you made that. Oh dude, that slaps. You know, and when you see that, that head nodding in agreement, it's like, if we could just keep that head nodding in agreement the majority of the time and give these kids, keep giving these kids opportunities to learn about these tools that they can regulate, you know, and, and help cope with some of these things because the time is tough and it's like, they may not all be rappers, but hopefully the idea of writing, the idea of being creative, you know, that we're giving them some things to help prevent them from coming back. And, and we know that it's hard with once a student touches the system, like this school to prison pipeline is, is has this system has been in place for a long time. So when they come back, we're like, hey, we didn't want to see you, but we're, we're glad you're here again. Let's keep working, strengthening these skills that you got so that you can not not come back in here eventually. Yeah. And on my end, I mean, I get I'm with the students all year, not dur- just during the project. And so I talk to them all the time. And I talked to a young man just yesterday who said, I planned on dropping out of high school, but now that I'm here, I feel like I can graduate. And he has a plan of action. He knows exactly what he's going to do when he's released. So we see a lot of that. But I think for me, the anecdote that sticks out the most is during our first iteration, we were asking the students to share how they felt about the experience and being involved in the project. And one young man said, This is the first time in my life where I've gotten to tell my own story. When I come into here, he'd been in and out since he was very young. He said, when I come in here, people always told my story for me. You guys had an opinion of who I was. And now I'm getting to tell you who I really am. And I just that was just so powerful. And it's uh, it's funny. You said uh, they may not all be rappers, but they all can like rap. I mean, you, you could speak in this, you know, we had to write essays and poems. We weren't poets, you know, when we were kids, I had to write an essay about how you feel. Well, I'm not a writer. I'm not an essayist. I mean, I kind of am, but I'm, you know, I wasn't then, but this is the language in which they are comfortable speaking. And it's uh, when you give them the permission, the authority, you know, self authority to do so, uh, you see good results. Even some of the kids, like you were saying, that aren't rappers when they would just write their thoughts down and they would just blow it out. He was pouring his heart out. He was talking about my mother was never there. I'm hungry. I'm always sitting there and I stare, sitting in the cell all alone. Like, I mean, he's basically giving you his story. He doesn't have to wrap it to a beat on written. Right, sure. Spoken word, so to speak. Right, you know what I mean? And he felt comfortable in front of other students doing that. And that's another big thing that you're learning in this program is is being to talk, public speak. We want them to talk back and, and be part of the conversation. We don't want to just sit, 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 give them, give them. We want, we want to exchange. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I work on another podcast that is called Newsbeat and it's uh, it's social justice issues. We have high level journalism. We mix it with music and we often invite independent artists to actually create 
rap verses for each episode. So we'll have interviews with, you know, leading figures, uh, you know, in politics or in social justice activists, sometimes people who are facing injustice, and then we'll weave it all together. And then we'll bring in someone that, you know, it's like, we like to say it's like democracy now and black thought had a podcast, baby. It's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. But we cover police brutality, mass incarcerations, you know, civil liberties, state violence against black women and girls, the movement to close youth prisons. I I wish we didn't have to make that podcast because then it would mean those problems didn't exist. I only have to make that podcast because these injustices exist. I think we'd all agree that while you're doing a great job inside this facility, it would be great if that facility didn't need to exist. So knowing what you've learned from working with the projects and, 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 and young people, how do we do more of that proactively in the community? Either when they get out, so you know they don't come back, or before they get there in the first place. What do you, what what advice do you have for community organizations or schools or government organizations so that they don't have to get there in the first place? Well, one thing one thing that I've been doing this year, we're just we're super lucky at our county office. You know, education you don't always have it a whole lot of autonomy, <laughs> and we have leaders. Our superintendent Todd Barlow, and then Ed and I's one of our direct bosses, assistant superintendent, Joy Santos, they just love things like this. And so one of the things they let me do this year was start an alternative education community of practice. And so all of the alternative educators in our county, the the leaders of those sites were coming together and we're talking about some of these, these topics, these issues. How do we make sure students have what they need so that they don't drop out? How do we help students who we know have already been system impacted to have have the resources, to have the support, to have what they need to prevent them from going back in? A lot of our parents are very heavily involved in their kids' lives, but they don't know how to navigate the bigger system. And so finding ways to be able to support those families, to support the students, finding ways to make sure that they have the opportunity to be employed when they leave. You know, you, you leave with this reputation, with this knowledge. We're very small. People know. They know who these students are. So even if their records are sealed, they already have the deck stacked against them. And so we're trying to build something within our county to answer those questions countywide so that the equity, the access, the things that we have at my site I only have 25 students. Some of these schools have hundreds and hundreds of students. And then when you look beyond our small county, you've got districts with thousands of students. And so the more we're able to do that work, the better it will be for our kids. And then also we were awarded the Hip Hop Education and Equity Grant, a planning grant. So we're working to develop a career technical education pathway so that these students are able to do internships and apprenticeships. And Ed and Josh are involved in that work. We're in the planning phases, but we want to partner with some of these other alternative education sites because the students that go there, the focus should not just be on credit recovery and a piece of paper. The kids need more than that. Mm. How open have other partnering agencies, other either facilities or government agencies or nonprofits or community members been to your involvement or, you know, the work you've done? Has it, has it been easy? Is it getting easier? Has COVID, you know, changed things? What are some of the maybe hesitations or pushbacks, if any, that you might've gotten from outside of your, inside your walls, so to speak? 
so we we are in a very conservative county and there are the parents you see on the news going to the board meetings. We have those parents in our county. <laughs> and so do I. Yeah. I just I just moved to Georgia. So I'm about 40 minutes north of Atlanta. So trust me, I know. <laughs> so so helping to build the capacity in our partner districts for understanding that culturally responsive pedagogy that is something that we we have to do. It's something that's part of the frameworks put out by the California Department of Education. It's part of the multi-tiered system of supports. It's not something we can just say, we're not going to do this because it's controversial. We need to educate everybody out there on what it is and why we're doing it and take the controversy out of it because it's just too important for these kids not to. So that I would say that's a barrier. But generally speaking, Allison Frenzel, from the California Department of Education. She's in charge of the arts, media, and entertainment sector. She and Ed are the two best networkers I have ever met in my life. She has connected us with so many partners. We've partnered with the Music Forward Foundation. They've come in and zoomed in with our kids, and we're currently working on writing a grant with them that would help us to bring more of that, not just to my site, but to our county. Gridworks is another org organization. Lori Goffigan, she heard about us through Allison and now she wants to connect with our kids. She's going to spotlight our students project at their at their conference in the spring. So we have just been incredibly lucky to have this person who started an alternative education like I did. So she and I just connected like we know what these kids don't have. It's just about every month that I have an email where she's like, hey, Liz, I'd like to introduce you to this person. And then we hop on a Zoom and they hear about what we're doing. And they're like, yes, we want to help you do more of that. And then we've got Ed on the other side. I'll let him talk about his own networking skills, but he's bringing in a different aspect of people into this work. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it, it's true, you know, in the spirit of hip hop, this collaboration and it's a. Uh... It's a snowball effect that happens and the team gets bigger and bigger. And at first, when Liz first mentioned to me, I was like, oh, Josh and Eric, you know, so we had the the producer, the rapper, the beat maker. We had uh, the graffiti artist. We brought Eric in. And then now that we get to present and share the students art, it just touches people. You know, we just had a really cool mutual friend of ours. Josh and I are really good friends with the local uh, restaurateur that, that runs a, a Mediterranean restaurant. And he, we would always share with him about the project and he's a big hip hop head. And he's, his name is Shafiq Dada. He owns a, a restaurant called Pita Kebab here in Visalia. And he was like, this is awesome. How can I help out? Like, can I give some lunch? And so we're like, oh, that's cool. So he ended up coming like last Wednesday and brought food, fed the whole staff, fed the students, the students, one of the raps and the, the issues that they talked about was they're tired of the bologna sandwiches. Cause that's, that's all they get. And the, the, the same food that they eat, like, man, I, I'd be up in arms, you know, and, but we talked to them about how like they're, when they have those challenges, they can change things indirectly. It did kind of change things for a little bit, like, Hey, you know, and then that art touches people touch my friend Shafiq enough to be like, Hey, I'm going to come and, and, you know, feed you all, talk to them. He talked, it helped open their minds as well too. You know what I mean? Because we, we live in a, you know, predominantly Mexican American community. There's a lot of Me Mexican, black and, and Mexican American, uh, African American and, Mexican-American students that are in there and they're not exposed to a whole lot of different cultures. So him sharing their culture, like from the Middle East, Lebanese, he's Lebanese. And so he shared like, hey, this is real crime that, I, you know, this crime with, you know, car bombs and stuff like that, that my parents had to flee. Seems like every time we present, 
and share it, someone is like, oh, can you share this story in front of this audience? Can you share this story in front of this audience? One of the coolest connections I got from a friend of mine, D Lanier on, on Twitter, he kind of was the inspiration for the design thinking challenge to kind of tweak it to, to give that second iteration for, for our students. He connected me with a woman named Kayla Holland that works for a nonprofit called breakfreeeducation.org. And they're a nonprofit that services, whole, whole goal is to service, provide contests and curriculum for free for system impacted youth across the nation. That led to the students listening to some of the, the previous contest winners because they had some rap contests, they have poetry contests, they have a cardboard challenge coming up. But the kids were like, oh, that kid, that, that's another kid in, in, in juvie, you know, stuff so like, yeah. And then this year we had, you know, a couple of kids submit a different piece of art, not the one that Josh produced, because that would be unfair. Like those, those kids, we know they don't have Josh optics. They got, these two kids got second place in that contest this year out of, you know, nationally. I don't know how many were submitted, but it, it's pretty cool just to see how much bigger it gets. And I think we just can't be afraid of, of the reach because when you know something is good, you know something is meaningful, people want to be involved, they want to help out, and it just inspires you more. And the kids get to see, the best part is the kids get to see their art being reached to people all over the place. Hip-hop's powerful. Music's powerful. It changes the world. It is changing the world. Look how long it's taken from when it started to where we are now with it, right? Where you've got the Jay-Zs and the people that are actually now in positions to make changes. Yeah, you know, as I'm, I, I do some speaking things, and one of the things I, I talk about now, because it's Hip-Hop History Month, is very important. History is important. Very often, you know, black and brown art and culture in America, the narratives have been ceded to folks that don't have the nuance and the understanding and the empathy uh, or have nefarious, you know, intent and they don't want to tell the stories properly. So it's great that now, like you say, the participants themselves are able to tell their own stories. The the OGs and the pioneers still walk amongst us. And now we have the ability to create documentaries and write books and be teaching in accredited colleges and universities where you can bring them in as guest speakers. We can do that and put all that on the record. And you're now showing that it can also be done on a personal, you know, grassroots street level, regular everyday folk who have had their narrative shaped by their circumstances, know that they're not defined by those circumstances and now have real opportunity to prove it. Uh, it's noble work. It does obviously touch a lot of us in a positive way. And my job is to amplify it. And I'm glad that I came across the work that y'all are doing. With that said, what is next for the program? The next iteration, as it were, or currently, you know, what, what uh, you're working on. I just want to see if we can work in anything that has to do with improving the outcome, not just to make the art, but to make sure that these kids don't come back. But take what they've learned and use it in, in positive ways uh, once they leave. So on my end, the work that I'm doing with it right now, I'm in, I just started my doctoral program at University of Houston. And so this is what I'm researching is how do we, how do we use what our students have inside of them and what they value to prevent recidivism? There is not a lot of research on incarcerated youth and some of it's for good reason. They're one of our most vulnerable populations. But unfortunately, because there is more research on the school to prison pipeline than there is on preventing recidivism, that's an area that needs to be addressed. 
you know, Dr. Victor Rios, he came and spoke to our kids last year. He calls students like our students, the push outs. The system has just pushed them out, not just the juvenile justice system, but the education system. And so I'm doing some work in that area and then developing that career technical education pathway so that our students can leave and be connected to these industry partners in Southern California, in the Bay Area, so that they understand that remote work has become a norm in many fields and that that's an option if they don't want to leave the Central Valley, building those opportunities for the students to realize that if this is their passion, they can go do that. They can leave and go do that. That's kind of where I'm at with the work. And then as far as our next iteration, Ed is bringing in a lot of things that I'll let him speak about, but we have both been looking into the work of Dr. Rafael Travis, who I know you just had on the podcast recently, and looking at therapeutic aspects of hip hop. We've been able to connect with Dr. Elliot Gunn, who does work at the Alameda facility with beat making. So looking at ways to, to make this program be the best it can be for the students as far as helping them to heal from some of the things that they've gone through and the healing they have, you know, that's something people have to do for themselves. So we just want to make sure they, they realize that music can be a tool to do that if they would like to use it as a tool to do so. Yeah. One of the, one of the big concepts strategies we've used inspired by the work of Zaretta Hammond, author of culturally responsive teaching in the brain was this idea of anchoring and twisting that she shared once and, you know, anchoring the learning and what they know and twisting to where we want to take them. I've seen that like really impact, especially this last year, right? I think that's been on our minds where we've anchored it and, you know, who, who are they into? Mozzie, why are they into them? Polo G, who inspires them? Why does Polo G inspire you? He speaks with so much passion. Let's talk more about that. And then anchoring in their their love of common and appreciation for common, we were able to twist. And you can see in that piece of art, that influence, all of those influences in that piece, which is beautiful. And it's like, especially for us as like, who are creating this on the fly every day and modifying it. You're like, wow, this is making it into there. As much of a hip hop head that I am too, like, I'd much rather not see these kids and, and, you know, see these kids in there. Right. And we talk to them like, Hey, I look forward to seeing you out, you know, at Walmart or, at, you know, and uh, so I think for, for me, it's like what, Liz mentioned is that mental health aspect. And we've kind of used that anchor and twist aspect to tap into some hip hop artists who used mindfulness and meditation, Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, who are, who are huge advocates and proponents of, of meditation, uh, taking some 30 minutes for yourself. It's like, well, all you all got a, a big part of the limited resources that you have in this design challenge for you is time alone. What are we doing with that time alone? We introduced it to them. And, and showed them some clips of Med, of J. Cole, of Kendrick. And then we got them, talked about the, the science about regulating your nervous system, being inspired by Dr. Elliot Gann. And we ended up having them create Lo-Fi Beat, which they call Lofi, the Lofi Beat. I've, I've, heard, <laughs> I've realized a lot of people call it Lofi now, but uh, I mean, it doesn't matter what it's called, right? That's but, funny. My wife is called <laughs> Wi-Fi Wi-Fi for That's what. So we had them create a lo-fi beat like, hey, this is how do we chill ourselves out? We know that you like to listen to these songs to get yourself in your feelings, to amp you up, to chill you out, to get you hyped up for the game or whatever, you know, but they really gravitated towards that. So they Liz has been like 
just opening up these uh, these restrictions, taking removing these restrictions like the tech we're allowed to use, and with we video and Soundtrap and these these tools that kids can get creative with. We had this last project where kids created their own lo-fi video, created the beat. Here's a little mellow beat named the beat and then created some visuals to go with it uh, in we video and i think that's a nice future of it because when we first started we didn't really spend so much time on the beat making and then josh gave them a little had a little more time the second iteration spending on on giving them some tutorials and you had kids because it was so much easier to just grab a youtube video grab someone else's beat grab a mozzie beat but now that they know that they can do it themselves oh it's it's been awesome and i think that is like Get in your zone and look at this beat I made. Let's put it, plug it into the Bluetooth and let's all vibe out. So that, I think that's a huge, a huge part of the future of this program. Yeah, no, I just follow the lead of these two amazing human beings, Liz and Ed. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about them and, and the changes that they're making in the education is exciting for me because I see it. I see it already impacting, impacting other schools and it hasn't done it yet, but I did, I already see it. Like, well, they call me optics. <laughs> nice. I but see what yeah, you did there. Yeah. So I mean, and I, and I and I do want to take take it to the next level with them and creating visuals because I'm a visual storyteller as well. Whether it be a documentary piece, whether it be another music video, whether it be a spoken word thing, I would like to bring the cameras in there and let them have hands on some of the equipment, the ones that are ready for it. So as as long as you know they keep bringing me in, I, I'll keep bringing my my stuff, and I'm I'm excited. For the future of this program. Very cool. As an outsider that observes folks like yourself doing the work, you mentioned one thing, it is important to show that it works, you know, so that when other places try to do it, they got receipts, they could borrow your receipts. Liz, the fact that you're going on to study this, put research on the books is very important, obviously, to make sure that academically it's respected. And then that can translate, I think, to uh, application. Mindfulness and meditation. I hope Tony Blackman, I hope Miss Tony Blackman is on your radar. If not, put her on your radar. Someone that can speak to, to that. That's that's a, a lane that, that she sits in. And what I love about this program overall is the greatest thing I, I think the, the hidden gem in hip hop education or in hip hop based therapy or in hip hop and, you know, technology, uh, all these intersections that I cover, or, or, you know, and analyze is that not only are you teaching young people to express themselves to music and learning how to do the beats and, you know, all the therapeutic things that come from that, all the expressiveness that comes from that, the ability to say what they want to say and not feel, you know, tethered to be themselves, to speak in their cultural language. You're also teaching them subliminally that you could be involved in hip hop. Without having to be a rapper, without having to be a producer or a DJ or a dancer or a stripper, <laughs> you know, um, because y'all are educators. Josh, I know you're, you know, you know, a teaching artist, uh, so to speak, but they're seeing the application of hip hop in a setting that isn't entertainment. And I'm a proponent for that to exist everywhere and the way that that exists everywhere is that we do it to young people so they see it can be done and then they do it they come up with this knowledge that i'm going to bring my hip-hop wherever i go and whatever i get into i'm going to bring it to that setting so that y'all don't have to you know the next iteration of you know educators don't have to work against the system to bring it in it's part of the system because they're coming up bringing it with them but it is because of the foundational work of folks like yourself making you know something good out of something bad generally speaking. So and, uh, I think if you, 
Maddie, can I mention California Educators Together is a website where they're starting to compile resources for educators. It's free. Our stories with style lessons are up. I put them up last week. And so they are available to any educator in California to take a look at. Obviously, we highly recommend adapt it to your student population. We do it every time we teach a lesson. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I was going to ask, is there anything else to, to bring? And, and let me just now officially ask, besides that, anything else that, that you think that other educators, other you know people, parents, all the folks that I don't know who listens to the show, it's all kind of people, you know, that are just learning about this or just hearing about this need to know any last minute, you know, where people can obviously find more about your program, participate, donate. I don't know if you guys do all that, whatever they want to do, let them know what they got to do and how to do it. If they want to check out more of our students' projects, we have a YouTube channel Our IT department named it, so it's kind of long, but (laughs) JC Montgomery KCOE School. You can find us on YouTube. There are a lot of other projects up there that the students have created. Very cool. And and continue and you'll be continually dropping projects there as well as they come into existence. All right. Very cool. Unless there's anything else that you think I need to ask y'all, I learned a lot about what you do, how you do it, why it works and how much uh, we hope that it continues to work to the point that you don't got to do it anymore. <laughs> so that you call find new jobs, but this is a, a good way to spend the time there. I appreciate your work. I come from a family of educators and I'm a hip hop ed guy. So I really appreciate what y'all do. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you appreciate man. your time. We'll talk again soon. Keep us updated. Thank you for listening to Hip Hop Can Save America, the bee's knees when it comes to podcasts that celebrate hip hop's ability to help uplift the citizens of the country that birthed it, not to mention the entire world. I'm the creator and your host, Manny Faces. Before you close out your app or switch to your next show, I'd love it if you just took a moment to rate and review us. We really do love hearing what you think. You can also email us directly if you have any questions or need to know anything at hiphopcansaveamerica at gmail.com. Sign up for release notifications and other innovative and inspiring hip-hop-related content at mannyfaces.substack.com. It's free, but you can support the newsletter and this show financially at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Follow our org on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hip Hop Advocacy. Follow me on Twitter at mannyfaces or on Facebook and Instagram at mannyfacesofficial. And this has been a ManyFacesMedia.com production in association with the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. This episode was edited by Matt Linder, and I produced the theme song. On behalf of associate producer Summer, the rest of our team, and all of our wonderful supporters, I thank you for listening, following, supporting, rating, reviewing, and sharing. We'll be back soon. Peace. This is a Many Faces Media production. Many Faces! You sick for this one. Sick for this one. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com, filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> 
Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours. 